Fuck me, I just can't be string a sentence together. Simo and Redmond are the thong slappers. They're two blokes making lots of noise but getting nowhere fast. Hey, g'day folks, this is Simo and welcome to episode 11 of the Thong Slappers, Redmond. How are you? Alpha Romeo, Foxtrot Charlie, we have radio silence in the podcast. The Jack Russells are outside, the bird has flown the coop and we have silence. Actually, Deb's at work so I'm as lonely as the exercise bike in a truckie lounge. (laughs) It's better than being the town bike in a truckie lounge, that's for sure. (laughs) Mate, cracking on, 1978. I've been so excited to do 1978. It's been ridiculous. I've pretty much been waiting since we did 1973 back in episode one to get back to the 70s and talk about this. So I hope you've I hope you've got plenty to go on with. I know I'm going to bore you to tears with what I've been discovering. So let's see how you go. Let's do it. Okay, 1978. Malcolm Fraser, the late Malcolm Fraser, was PM of Australia. I don't think he'd lost his pants by then. I think he was still just, you know, normal everyday prime minister. And uh, Joby Occupy-Peterson was the Queensland Premier. So not that that's surprising. He was a frigging Queensland Premier forever, it felt like. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's funny, um, just speaking of Joe, back in 1978, like, Queensland was in such a terrible, terrible state of actual, uh, like, drought that he'd actually called on all the Queensland churches to pray for rain. Like, they didn't have a prayer day for January 15 for rain, to try and get rain back to Queensland. That's how bad things had got. Fuck, that's a solid policy. Well, I guess desperate times call for desperate measures, but... uh, Uh, We've all been through droughts, I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. But uh, on the actual, the sad side of politics, Robert Menzies died... Brian Plankman's favourite Prime Minister ever. He passed away in 1978. Bob Menzies. I do remember that. Plankman was devastated. He still hasn't got over that. No, no. I know he has a shrine to Bob Menzies at Dunadu. So I figure that it's something that's still dear to his heart. He'll he'll never recover from that, I don't think. I'll tell you what, in all seriousness, uh, also when Brocky died, he he was... uh, Upset as well. He's got a shrined old Uncle Peter, as I used to call him. Yeah, yep. Yeah, no, it doesn't surprise me. And, you know, I guess the triple whammy for poor Brian was Johnny O'Keefe died in 1978 too, the famous Aussie rocker from the 50s and 60s. So, mate, it was all happening in 1978, which is kind of scary. But, yeah, I don't know. Not the go. Actually, one thing that's close to Loretta's heart, have you spoken to Loretta lately? I haven't spoken to Loretta. I haven't, actually. I haven't, got, yeah, I haven't right. got in touch with Loretta, you mean? Yeah, yeah. I was just the first Sydney gay and lesbian Mardi Gras was held in 1978. So I figured you two were heading down this year for that. But that would start you, in 1978 as well. You know the thing about the Mardi Gras? Like, I lived in Sydney for years. It is a fucking excellent party, mate. It is. There's 400,000 people in two or three streets in Sydney. I went a couple of times and just had a fucking absolute ball. Just... I really enjoy it, mate. I, I don't give a shit whatever people are free to do whatever they want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was, it's the, as far as hosting a party or put something on, they kick uh, they kick ass. <laughs> it's really... I, I've got some photos here from... People take milk crates. I said, what's anyone carrying a fucking milk crate for? So when the parade comes past, you put a milk crate and you stand up on it. You know, ah, right. Ideas like, central. You know, you know what would be the perfect thing for you to wear to Mardi Gras this year? What? Your dragon what? shirt. You oh, imagine you in your dragon shirt at Mardi Gras. Fuck, it'll be plastered all over the news, I reckon. I would, it definitely would be. There was a, um, a a chef at work where I used to work a few years ago, and he was clearly gay, and he used to try and you know, crack on me a bit. But I used to get cheese. You know, they have really nice cheese where I used to work. Right. So he used to get some cheese. So I used to flirt with him for the cheese. Is that wrong? Well, I guess it depends what sort of cheese it was. Was it dick cheese, or was it just normal like dairy cheese? Normal dairy cheese. Oh, it tasted like I haven't tasted dick cheese. I don't know. It could have been, but no. And, and Debbie used to work there as well. And she goes, "You're unbelievable." I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> we were, I think we we're engaged at the time, Deb and I. And she goes, "You're fucking unbelievable." I'm like, "What? I'm just getting free cheese. I'm not kissing him or anything. I'm just kind of leading him on for free cheese. Yeah, I'm happy with it." <laughs> Man, this episode is going to hell in a handcart. So. We might move on very quickly. Hey, funnily enough, right, K 
Kate Ritchie, she was born in 1978, as in, you know, she was from Home and Away. She's on the radio these days. She played that chicken in Home and Away for years. Sally. Yeah, I know, I know of her, yep. Yeah, but the reason I mention that is, you know, Milko? She had that imaginary friend called Milko. Yeah, not really. That, that name is still something that me and my friends, we still use to this day. Like, as far as if you see someone talking to themselves, oh, that's having a chat to Milko. <laughs> like, it's just funny how characters, like, just come into the vernacular of, of Gen X as the years go on. So, you know, if you're talking to yourself, I can just say, mate, are you talking to Milko? Is so now talking I'm to trying, me? I'll just be clearly talking to myself anyway, yelling at the pigeons or whatever. Are you talking to me or are you just talking to Milko? <laughs> see, just like that, just straight Damn away. It. Didn't yeah. take you long. Hey. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, no, that was something else that was cool. But, um, look, I think as far as TV shows, like, TV shows, movies is going to be a whole episode on itself. Like, we already sort of glean towards that with epi- at the end of episode 10. But tick this off your Gen X list for awesome TV shows from that time. Dallas, The Incredible Hulk, Love Boat, Mork and Mindy, Different Strokes, Battlestar Galactica, Charlie's Angels... Eight is enough. Chips, and a show wow. that was on but I fucking hate was The Waltons. That was just whenever I came home from school, that fucking TV show was on The Waltons. That so, was shit. And probably the best, I guess, as far as Australian-based TV shows were Paul Hogan Show and Chopper Squad. Do you remember Chopper Squad? No, I, I, I've, I've read something that you wrote. You done a review on it or something on the cars of it, didn't you? Oh, I think so, but look, check out some YouTube of Chopper Squad. That was a great oh, show. Well, they did have some cool cars in it as well, but probably the biggest TV news from 1978 was Graham Kennedy. He won a Logie for Blankety Blanks. I used to love that show when I was a kid. We'd watch it all the time. Do you remember Blankety Blanks? Yeah, Dirty Dave Gray. Tell you what. Um, yes, Dave, Dave Gray. Yep, yep. yep. Nolene Brown. Yep. All Graham Kennedy's time. absolute talent. Big time. Yeah, he was, eh? One of them old school entertainers, witty yeah. far, you know, and just yes. very clever. Very Definitely. Clever. And, Talk you know, <laughs> all the songs he used to sing as they were walking around, like, gee, for Joyce Well, and, you know, with the Cyril said and all that great yeah. stuff. He he actually, and of course, Bert Newton, like, Bert Newton cops a lot of shit, but, mate, Bert, Bert Newton is another horrendously, like, quick-witted, funny, like... His sexual innuendo comments and stuff he makes about stuff is freaking hilarious. So he's another guy that, uh, definitely another Australian legend. Movie-wise, it was massive for 1978. And, you know, we've got a couple we're going to talk about sort of in a future episode. But I guess getting on to 1978, mate, have you got a vice versa for me? Have you got something you want to chat about? I definitely have. Are you ready? I'm just, to, to, to finish off on them Australian entertainers, you see Peter Russell Clark done an album cover for a band the other day. It was pretty I funny. I did, yeah. <laughs> Come and get well, it with so, Peter Russell Clark, yeah. Uh, <laughs> right, so uh, my vice versa for 1978 is I'm going to go to 1978 and bring something back to 2018. And what it's going to be is yeah. the OHS rules from 1978. Hey, good call. That's the go. I could write the entire OHS logbook on the back of a postage stamp with a pool cue from 1978. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you some of the things from workshops. Um, I think there's someone at the door. Uh, can you excuse me for a sec, Simon? Fuck. Yeah, mate. Oh. Come on, out. So some of the things uh, from workshops back then, have you been taught how to do a safety squint when you're grinding? <laughs> Not on purpose. No, no so you don't need safety glasses back then. You just squint. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's, yeah. You know, the, the, the guys back then, a health kick for them was like smoking rollies, you know, because they don't smoke as many as tailor-maids because they've got to stop and roll them. So that's yeah, like yeah. a health kick. It was a dangerous time back in the dark ages back then. It was before we had like, you know, health plan benefits for our dogs and, you know, safety instructions on motorcycle fuel tanks before we fill them up, you know. Yeah, totally different world, wasn't it? Yeah, a field service, like a mechanic who was in the field, his entire PPE kit would be zinc cream. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. And the stupid part is, is that I think the difference was back then, if you tripped over, it was your fault. You didn't look around on the ground trying to blame the council or something like that. You know, people could actually be at fault for something that they personally did, 
Whereas these days, Jesus, before you go have a shit, you've got to like fill out a, a safety briefing. You've got to make sure that the lid's screwed on properly. You've got to make sure uh. that there's the right amount of waters in the system. You've got to make sure that the flush rates are sufficient enough to <laughs> flush your power, Grogan. You know, like it's just everything's got so complicated. And all it does, I think, is just strangle. It just strangles, you know, trying to actually achieve anything. It's like we oh. mentioned last episode, you know, you talked about they've banned using mobile phones in, the, in your workshop. And I actually think that's a really good idea as far as improving productivity and probably improving the fact that people will focus and concentrate on what they're doing. You know? when, I, when I worked out at Cloncurry, we were on a construction job out there that we just didn't have any service. They, there was just no service, no point. Yeah. And I, I think I said to my mum, I said, look, if I had a small business or a company, I'd say to people, lock your phone here in this safe when you get to work. At the end of the shift, grab your phone and a $20 note out of the safe. Take the $20 note home with you, and that's your bonus for locking your phone away. Yeah, exactly. And I think people would do that too. You know, like it's, yeah, it's easy money. And I think just to make you more present in what's going on in life too. And I mean, you just have to look at the amount of fatalities caused by people and just, just crashes anyway, even if they're not fatalities. Uh, people like texting and talking on mobile phones and just, we're just such a distracted society nowadays. You yeah, know, you can't sit at the traffic lights without, you know, people grabbing their phone. It's, um, yeah, yeah. What, what frustrates me is at work when they say we've got to go to a pre start meeting. And I say, why isn't it just the start meeting? What the fuck is it a pre start meeting? It's the start. You know what we done? You know what pre start is? It's when I was a fucking sleep. That's what I've done before I started. Yeah, I, exactly. I said, it's a start meeting. It's not a pre start. And he's like, oh, fucking, it's a pre start. Could you do it before you start work? Well, you can do it before you start work. I do want to be fucking bed. You know, someone probably got paid thousands of dollars to generate the whole pre-start idea. So yeah. they're just justifying their employment. That's all that'll be. Like yeah. I, I've always argued that the word proactive, that they used to used to be a buzzword for the shank grippers, is the same word as <laughs> fucking active. It's the same word. When you use it, it means the same thing. We don't do we don't do pro maintenance, do we? We don't do pro driving. No. Well, we do if you and I together in a car. That's pro-driving for sure, even if we yes, might just think it is. Mate, wait till we get the charger over the BMX track at your place. That's going to be awesome. I'll be videoing that on my iPhone without being distracted, I promise. It's so funny when um, you drove the charger that day and you're up and you're like, this is the best. Oh, it's the only charger I've driven, but you've driven a lot. And you're going, this is the best you know, best handling charger I've ever driven. I'm thinking, fuck, what's the worst? For me, it was Tom used to VKs and... The fuck Datsuns and stuff that actually, and you go, oh, it's, it steers and brakes so well. I'm like, fuck me. I know it did though. It did. That was the thing. It genuinely did. Like most chargers, like stock and the crazy ones I've driven over the years, they handle like wet noodles. They go like stink, but they've got no brakes. So you go around a corner and you can just about, you know, touch the gravel when you put your hand out the door. So no, it was. It's a good, good all round of that car. No question. That's a very nice car. So my last, the last bit of my advice first is. Going to bring something back. Yes. Yeah. Oh, actually, I've still got a. I've got this a bit. <laughs> I was going to say I've got this a bit backwards, but it's fucking vice versa, Redmond. Um, so <laughs> the other two things that I'm going to. So I'm. Uh, what am I doing? My tape. And now I'm bringing stuff back, right? So the other thing that I'm bringing from 1978 to 2018 is pay packets, cash money. Johnny oh cash. no, no, no! Don't do that to me. No, please. Well, I'll have yours. I'll, I'll, I'll have your. Pay. <laughs> <laughs> no, Christ, all I'll do is detour by Woolies and it'll all be gone in one big foul sweep of the friggin' chocolate aisle. No. <laughs> I love it. I remember yep. I started my apprenticeship in a factory, so you had a you showers there. So what you do is, you even the apprentice, you pull your money out. And the way they used to bring guys into the company that were basically labourers, the guys they started, they'd start as a cleaner. Yeah, yeah. They'd start in the showers. And all the guys would pull their money out. There was dollar coins then, but I don't think there was $2 coins. Okay, so what you do, right. When you yeah. get all your notes out, you change. It's not a dollar, like your 70 cents or your 60. They throw it on the floor and they say for the sweeper. So the guy, the sweeper is the lowest paid man in the company. So he might get an extra five, six, I don't know, $1 or $20 or whatever just by sweeping up on payday. So that's and, – and you don't stay the cleaner for very long. You only do six or eight months and you go and do as a labourer's job. So that's yeah, okay. a nice thing looking after, you know. That's pretty cool, hey. That's like the old days you'd leave a six-pack of beer out for the garbo. Yes, yeah, that's right. right. Yeah, yeah that, that these days it's a breach of occupational health and safety. So uh, what I'm taking back to 1978 for my friends who are mechanics, and yes. mechanics yep. general, I'm taking back a set of digital verniers. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's the yeah. go. Yeah. And batteries. Make sure you take the batteries to suit. 
Yeah, actually, they won't. They'll have to be back to the future to go back and get the batteries. <laughs> and, a, and a 240 volt caddy welder. Yeah, okay. Yeah, good call. Back to the shed. So, um, by the power vested in fiction, what, Simon, is your vice versa, my friend? Okay, this is an easy one for me. I would lob back to 1978. I'd go plonk down the readies on a Panama Green 1978 HZ Sandman panel van. 308 four-speed, all the good stuff. Straight away, I would put a Trans Am front on it. I'd <laughs> get rid of the GDS wheels and put the world's hugest set of jelly bean mags I could find on it. I'd flare the guards in steel. I'd deck the back out in green crush velvet and a bit of, you know, bathroom carpet. I would build the lariest custom panel van I could. However, I'd leave the body Panama green because I love that colour. I'd leave all the Sandman stripes on it. I'd leave the cool Sandman on the tailgate. I'd put bubble window in the tailgate. I'd put, I'd put bubble tail light covers on it. I'd even probably go as far as putting three or four bubble porthole windows down each side above the stripes as well or teardrops. And then I'd bring it back to 2018 and just watch all the, you know, purest Sandman panel van restorers and uh, replica builders just go weak at the knees when I rocked it into a car show. <laughs> would no you question. um, would you build a tape box for it out of wood? Probably, yeah. I probably would. I'd probably have an 8-track in it, actually. But that would definitely be the go. Like, I just I would just love that anyway, irrespective of just doing it to piss people off. I, I just think that would be so awesome. Just the full, you know, like I love Sandman's, I love the stripes, I love the, the tailgate lettering, but unfortunately, and I've long been a, a Sandman lover, you know, when I was a kid, I grew up in Glenelg in Adelaide in the late 70s, early 80s, and you'd actually see vans cruising around all the time with the tailgate up, and that sort of was the thing that really reinforced my love for panel vans, but I, I think, unfortunately, I find these days... Like, the whole purist thing is just killing the van scene like it is the street machine scene where you've got people, oh, you know, you, oh, just do it as a Sandman replica. There are so many Sandman replicas out there and genuine ones. If they're not windowless with GDS wheels and Sandman stickers, everyone thinks you're doing it wrong. And yeah. I just kind of just, you know, it's it's kind of killing my love of the Sandman. And I know that's a massive call, and I never thought I'd hear the day I'd say that out mm-hmm. loud. But it's kind of tarnishing it for me a little bit now that if if it's if you're not doing one like that, then you're doing it wrong. I think that goes totally against what the whole panel van scene is all about. So that's what I'd do. That's what I'd bring back to 2018, right? However... If I could go back to 1978 and change a couple of things. First of all, I'd go back and I'd go and see... Uh, you ever heard of a, a stuntman called Grant Page? He was the main stuntman on Mad Max. and He's a, he's a famous Australian stuntman. No, just keep, right. tell me a bit more. Grant know. Page, this guy's a legend in Australian movie history. He's a stuntman. He's been a stuntman on numerous Australian movies and Australian shows. He was famously the guy on the Don Lane show. They were doing a stunt where he had to get... He was actually being hit by a guy driving a Valiant. And they stuffed up the stunt somehow, and Grant ended up going through the windscreen of the Valiant. Like, totally not on purpose. Like, it was actually a, a live TV cross on the Don Lane show. Right. And it was actually a mistake, and he was in hospital for ages and all the rest of it. Anyway, he's a legend of the Australian, Australian screen. I always remember hearing an interview with Grant Page saying that one of his biggest regrets was, like he said, you know, look, I was a young guy, because I had a young family, and when Kennedy Miller were making Mad Max, they said to me, right, this is the go. We can either just pay you for your work or we can, you know, cut you in for royalties of what the movie may make in the future. And he said because of that stage, you know, hindsight's a great thing. He said, had no idea how popular Mad Max was going oh, to be. Oh, he took the money. He took the money. He goes, mate, he goes, you know, he goes, I had to pay the bills. He goes, I had a young family. I couldn't just, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't survive without the cash. He goes, so I took the money. And he said, now... If I'd taken royalties, oh, he said I would never would have had to work again, basically. So I'd go back and say to Grant Page, listen, mate, here's a little sign. Here's a sign for the future, future-proofing you, and make sure you remember me when I get older. Make sure you take the royalties. Don't take the money for Mad Max, because it's going to be massive around the world. 
Um, I'd also go back and tell my dad not to sell his AP6 V8 Valiant. He had a factory AP6 V8 um, Valiant sedan, which is called the car we grew up in. It was a 273, you know. He lowered it. He put a set of VG Pacer rims on it. Uh, it was a cool car. like just a nice, tight. It was our family car, just a nice streeter. What colour? It was like the factory's kind of like a, a an off-white with a black vinyl roof. Right. Yeah, right. All, yeah. Most most of the factory AP6 V8s were that color, like that color combination. They all had vinyl roofs, etc. But the thing that made this car even cooler was when you bought it, the number plates on the car were SA19, as in the 19th number plates ever released in South Australia. Right. Wow. So you're with me here. It yeah. just it just came with the car. Like whoever the guy he bought it off, he'd bought it off whoever. Someone in the car's history had fitted these SA19 number plates. And, of course, back then, number plates went were shit. Like, there were no personal space. Yeah. It was obviously just put on the car because it was kind of considered to be something a bit quirky. So, and I'll show you photos. He's got this AP6 Valiant with these sort of little tiny square number plates of SA19. Anyway, when he sold the car, we moved to Queensland sort of in the early 80s, and he sold the car off. And he had a company car at that stage. He had a Charger. So he, he sold... There was no need to have this AP6. He sold it with the number plates on it, right, for like 1300 bucks or something, whatever the car was worth back in the day. It was a pretty tidy car still. Anyway, just recently, like, SA23 sold for like $350,000. Like ah. So I'd go back and say to my dad, take those freaking number plates off and just... Keep them. Keep them for 30 years. Then Keep sell the car them. for 30 years. Well, that's the other thing, too. I'd be happy if you just kept the car for me. That would have been awesome, too. But just keep those number plates. I mean, look, at the end of the day, we all know the South Australian government just probably would have, you know, required that they be surrendered anyway before they started doing it as a money-making venture. But, yeah. Um, yeah, that'd be the go. I'd do that. But probably lastly, I'd go back to the GMH Styling Studio and warn them of the legacy they created by UC Toronto tail lights, the size of those UC Toronto tail lights, the humongous mistake. And, you know, just to let them know of the laughingstock legacy that was going to basically, you know, cripple the UC Toronto for the rest of its days. You know what I mean? If it's you... not bad enough that it stood for until Commodore, but those UC Toronto tail lights, and I've had a few friends own them over the years, and I'll tell you what, they just cop an absolute pizzling just because of those tail lights. I think you and Milko discuss them tail lights far too much. <laughs> oh, it's funny, you know, like friends over the years, like I said, have had UC Tiranas. And it's just been one of those things where if you own it, you cop it. But if you don't own one or if you've moved on and sold it, you have free reign to give a shit to whoever's got one. <laughs> what do and... they call that? A um, repent? Oh, what do they call it? Yeah. I remember, I remember being a, at a party Reform. one night. I said at a party one night, a good mate of mine, Darren, he was uh, he was giving shit to another friend of ours, Mark. Anyway, something happened and, and Mark was sort of, there was this back and forth. They were, one was on, like one was in a room, we're playing pool and one was actually outside and this, this sort of back and forth argument was happening like through a window. Anyway, at the end of it, just to shut Mark down, Darren said, ah, show us your blinker, Mark. Anyway, next minute, this chair came through the window. That's how much it tipped him off. Splinted. Oh, big time. It was just it was just the straw that broke the camel's back. Show us your blinker, Mark. Talking about his UC Toronto taillights. But in more recent times, our good friend Tony, he's actually got a really nice HQ Monaro, but you know he wanted to get in and do more power cruise events and all that sort of stuff. And he was doing a bit of engine work to the HQ. So he thought, oh, I'll just buy a UC Tirana. You know, like it's a pretty pretty cool 308, like a pretty, you know, tough car. I'll just buy this UC Tirana just to use as a fun car while I'm fixing the Monaro. <laughs> Tony was oblivious to the whole UC Tirana tail light, the stigma attached to the UC Tirana tail lights. And it just opened up this world, this vortex of just just hammering him with stuff like good mate Macca. He'd turn up and you know, at Harry's diner or something, he'd pull in at night time and he'd hop out of the car and Mac would be like Jesus, Tony, if you got high beam brake lights in that thing, there'll always just be some smart... Even to the point where, you know, I'll be at home on a Sunday or something and someone will send me a text message from a swap meeting. It's like a picture of a UC Toronto tail light. You know, look, 
if flight MH370, you know, that disappeared <laughs> sort of west of West Australia, if that airplane had UC Toronto tail lights, they would have found it within minutes. They would have been know, straight onto it. Yeah, yeah. So even now, like Tony, who's now Tony Tarlight, that's UC Toronto. He sold it like two years ago, but he will always be affectionately known as Tony Tarlight. So, yeah, it's definitely one of those things. So I'd go back and tell the GM designers maybe to do something, just to halve them at least. So. Yeah, you got to go the other way and get some XD LTD tail lights and put in there. You know, yeah, the well, <laughs> the problem is that would probably look really cool. <laughs> that's the crazy thing about it. So, Poor old UCs. The guy yeah. Townsend, well, our club I used to be in had one. It's not a bad little car. Oh, look, I, I actually I actually prefer the UC fronts of the earlier models straight up. Like, you know, it's just one of those things that, you know, has just it just goes on through the decades through <laughs> a bunch of friends. You know what I mean? The whole UC taillight thing. So, no, Poor it's always fella. a bit of a good laugh. Yeah. Now, um, mate, moving on from, I guess, the first instalment of 1978... Something we haven't spoken of for quite a while, and I really need to know because of your mechanical dramas you were having a while back. Have you had anything happening as far as domestic bliss in your life? Ah, domestic bliss. Well, what? Mine will be short because not much. Well, what ended up happening? Well, and, was... and your domestic bliss as well. <laughs> it's one, we're one in the same thing. <laughs> what, what ended up happening, obviously, I snapped that output shaft on my road bike. So yeah, was... yeah. Where's that up to now? Well, I, got in, I started talking to one of the editors of the road bike magazine that I write for and we kind of decided he'd chip in for some of the engine if I wrote a bit of an article and I think that's pretty cool that's taking some thong slapper the road bike magazines can be full of Ducatis and R1s and there's very rarely unless it's a feature would there be anything old in there you know that's especially this magazine that when I write for there's nothing there's nothing old in there they, they don't bring up yeah you know. yeah so I thought that was kind of cool what the article will be is a thousand dollar motor and a five thousand dollar road bike yeah, yeah, sure. Can you do that's it? Cool. Can you make? Yeah, that's what I thought. Taking a bit of thong slapper too, and then it fell into a pile of shit. It just everyone kind of just got into the too hard basket with everybody and the whole yeah. setup. So I okay. Uh, the other thing, uh, the bridesmaid, the VK, and no, sorry, oh, the barmaid, the barmaid yeah. VK. Yeah, I the one, the, the wreck in the backyard. Yeah, yeah. I, took, I took the doors off it the other day, and they were quite good. So I, uh, the doors in front yards, I just painted them in some prime, put them in the shed. I didn't realise how heavy they are when I seen somebody. You know, strip their doors down to get some, you know, make the car lighter. I thought, fuck, really? How much are, you know, they are so fucking heavy, them VK doors. <laughs> I think so I could sell them to the fucking the railway and put them on their, their carriages. They're that heavy. So, yeah, that's all. I, I got that stripped and uh, set off. But yeah. that's that's kind of my domestic bliss. There's no real movement there. I'll, I'll be back on my push bike tomorrow. That's nothing to do with domestic. I've been off it for eight weeks just with my hernia surgery. But what have you got for domestic bliss, Simon? Oh, mate, I've got shitloads. So, yeah, firstly, just just before I hit you with that, mate, how are we looking as far as oh, like? Do you like the way I put we in there? Just as far as like just to try and make it a bit more, you know, user friendly for you. Make sure you you feel like we're in this together. How are we going with the Group C conversion on Lio Five? The big What's... banger. What's, What's happening there? It's, it's going to be finished for the Charters Towers Easter 2018 weekend. They got the Australian panel van Nats, and it's also a streetcar show. Oh, 2019 next year Easter. Yeah, yeah. 2009. So that's what I'm going to aim at. Now I haven't, to be honest, the car hasn't. I started it last weekend, like the engine started and drove it out of the shed. But that's going yeah. to be that's going to be the aim. Now I'll have it. Um, have it done for that so it's just kind of yeah no, no progress is, is the answer but it's not it's not a terribly big job to do it's like four thousand dollars for the whole job kind of thing so i just gotta get in and get it done get in yeah the lifestyle roster that i just started with my work's a lot better that was a lot of the reasons that i went back to my old job just to get some time back so i'll, I'll be able to pull some time back into my life now yeah sure sure and get, get back into the past i'm looking forward to it actually you know, it's funny you say that. It's something I've sort of been trying to do as well is just manage my time better. Like I've got things that, you know, require me to spend time on in my life. And it's just trying to streamline all your other, you know, like duties and responsibilities and all that sort of shit. Like I'm kind of like the king of the unfinished project. And it kind of happened a couple of weeks ago. I just lost my shit where I got sick of opening cupboards and shit falling on my head all the time. Do you ever find that? That's when you know it's time to just have the world's biggest spring clean or you're uh, tripping over the same shit all the time or you've got projects that you've started two years ago that haven't, you know, got any better. And 
I think it's definitely just that whole streamlining process. And that's the thing too, like now, if you can take like a good chunk of time off, like three or four days off in a, in a, in a go, it'll be amazing what you get done, especially on your cars. And, you know, that's a I've big got, thing. I've, for yeah, sure. I've worked it with some of my riding commitments as well and, and this, this thing that we do. And, you know, yeah. I do longer days, but I do less of them now. So that was, and also I come at the cost of giving up my dream job, but it is what it is. You'll be an adult, fuck it. Well, I guess at the end of the day, it's always something you can go back to as well. So, you know, down the track once you get all these projects written off. But look, having a deadline like the Van Nationals next year is good because it gives you that that focus and that aim of when you want to get something finished for. And I find that's the best way I actually get things done personally. So, yeah, I mean, look, I guess for my domestic bliss, there's been a shitload going on, mainly because I have a lot of... You know, like I've got a lot of projects actually on the go, or I've got a lot of things that I can actually apply my time to. So, straight up, probably the the first one, like quite a simple one, was my Disturbia van. I did that half inch front wheel stud conversion. Yep. So, of course, as you know, Disturbia is a red custom panel van. I've got Valiant. Um, Valiant's only come out with seven sixteenths wheel studs right through the range. So. I put half-inch studs onto the back years ago when I went the 1510 jelly bean wheels, you know, because obviously those things weigh a freaking ton. They're like all, all about the offset, not much back space. So I put half-inch studs back in then. But when I had Jag, drag challenge coming up, I just wanted to make sure the fronts were done too, especially now running those eight and a halves with lots of offset. It was just, just and look, hey, at the end of the day, the 716 studs that were in there were the factory studs. So they've been in there for over 40 years or whatever it is now, 40 wow. years and those. Wow. So it's just like a purely a maintenance thing. But I've got to say, when it comes to stuff like this, I'm kind of pretty lucky, as you are probably too, you know, like with your brother and nephew and stuff. I've actually got a great bunch of people who happily just would do dumb shit for me. You know, like, I feel like I'm always turning up on their doorstep needing something really stupid done, you know? So, as far as that goes, like, uh, Jeff Wendell, a mate of mine, he's the sort of guy, he's a really good machinist, and he's got, like, a, a garage full of really cool tools and lays and mills and all this sort of stuff. So, he did that half-inch conversion for me, and um, come up a treat. So, that's sort of been the what's, main thing I've done on that. So What's the difference, just for the Gen Y to keep him in the picture... Mm. Seven sixteenths to half inch is actually what two mil. Yeah, basically, kind of like eleven mil to thirteen mil diameter for the oh, yeah, so the, yeah. yeah, just a, yeah, two mil. No, that's it. And look, purely, it's just a, it's just a safety thing, you know, like it's strength and safety, and you know, just trying to do a bit of preventative maintenance. Plus the fact I can just run the same wheel nuts all the way around now. So when I get a flat and I've forgotten the wheel nuts, I've got something I can do with it. But yeah, so look, Jeff knocked up those for me. He just machined out the front rotors and put the half studs in. And he, he did a set for Macca and made a mine at the same time for his VG hardtop. He was kind of in the same boat. But, you know, like I was saying, you know, just a couple of people I just want to quickly mention, just so they acknowledge that, they can acknowledge that I appreciate what they do for me. David Blee from L&D Automotive. I'm always turning up there with dumb, like, tyre swaps. And can you put these tyres onto that rim? And can you try this and this? And he just does it all for me without any dramas. You know, he doesn't fucking roll his eyes. I think, oh, what the hell are we doing now? Like, I'll get him to do a wheel alignment, and then I'll go home, and two days later, I've changed the height, front or rear or both. <laughs> and I take it back to him, and he just doesn't, you know, he just yeah. does it. Like, it's cool. And um, I guess lastly with that, I just want to mention, now these guys, they bend over backwards as far as when I go, and then it would, like, dumb shit that needs to be done, is um, Les, Fez, and Scotty at Fat Pipes up in Brisbane, Brisbane North Side, like I'll go right, and say, yep. oh, can you make me up some side pipe? I need some, you know, like, you know, collect the parts for a side pipe. Really, oh, I need drop pipes fitted to this, or can you do this and this? Always getting dumb stuff done with the exhaust systems, and they're always happy to help me out there. I should actually make it Les, Fez, and Skez, so it all rhymes. Do they, is, Scottish is that, should be Skez. Yeah. Is that Les with a, with a, um, a nine in it? Or is, that, is he a baby boomer with just like a normal name? It's just a normal name. He's just a normal bloke. Yeah. That's yeah. L-E-S. Oh, wow. It's, wow. it's tricky, isn't it? I know. It, 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 you spell it how it sounds, I suppose. But no, look, I just appreciate that. Look, I just, that was just a little bit of a I digress from domestic bliss. But, you know, I just, I, sometimes I worry that these people just must see me rocking and go, oh, fuck, <laughs> what, what fucking dumb shit does he need done now? But yeah, so I appreciate that. Look, on that too. Speaking of panel vans, my Mr. Juicy, my daily driver, uh, orange CL Valiant panel van, that's been in for a lot of love lately, actually. 
Um, I fitted longer extended shackles in the back just to get the arse up. Look, I'm going that full 70 Street Freak look with that van. Like, I love it looks that good. whole... Man, um, thanks for that. And I just love that whole look. And it's something I've been... I've had the parts here for ages. Look, Jeff Wendell, the guy I mentioned before, he knocked me up a set of really long shackles for the back. They're about three inch longer than standard, but they're engineered to suit, so they're nice and you know thick and strong and all the rest of it. So I fitted those longer shackles to the back, wound the front torsion bars down a bit just to give it some more rake. I also fitted some 275-60-15 tyres to the back to replace the 255-60. So... That extra tyre sidewall height looks better to start with than the fact they're wider, but got me some more rake as well. You know, yeah, you're, getting the, you know you're getting the rake spot on when the rear view mirror, if you look at the rear view mirror, all you can see is clouds. Like That's <laughs> how you know you're getting that rake right. Uh, and finally, I had had sitting around for a while now is a pair of Kragar SS five-spoke rims. So pretty much I just run them on the front. So that's kind of uh, people looking and going, oh, why do you have different rims front and back? Because it's got Craig RSSs on the front and it's got 15, eight and a half jelly beans on the back. So people ask, why, is the, why are the difference in the rims? But that was kind of the style. That was what people did back, you know, with the 70s. So that's kind of what I'm running with there. And I just like that look, I suppose. Yeah, like that um, with the Minaro Minar- we spoke about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. The, um, oh, what's that called? The, yeah, the black one. Yeah, the American flag down the side. Right. Yeah, so that's that's pretty much it. So I'm running the Krager SSs on the front of that. I've got the jelly beans on the back. I fixed my front spoiler. It's been in, like, had blobs of high fill and primer on the front spoiler for no bullshit two years. So I rubbed that all back. I painted that orange again so that all matches nicely now. And just basically went through the thing. But can I just say one thing that fucking just does my head in, like, in your words, makes me splinter, is... You know, like the Krager SSs, like a, there is a massive difference between a Krager SS and a knockoff rim, like say a Speedy California or something yep. like that. And this one of the guys who works in the same complex I'm at, he goes, "Oh, when does when do you fit the Speedy rims to the front, right?" <laughs> and that was like a fucking red rag to a bull. I said, <laughs> "They are not Speedy Californias, mate. Let's just get this nipped up right now." That Krager SS. Oh, oh, right, no worries. Or if you see Speedy California's advertisers, Kragars. It's like people, when they advertise a set of, you know, like armor lights or globe lines, they call them center lines. Like, oh, this, it just kills me. It just, I like the trigger. It triggers, it triggers me straight away. And my good mate, Peter Clifford, I'll do that to him. I'll just send him like a screenshot. There'll be a set of like, you know, Chevy armor lights and it'll, they'll be like 14 sevens and it'll go centerline mags for sale. And I'll send him a photo just to piss him off. But I know it pisses him off. So. I like the truth in advertising when somebody's along them lines goes, oh, it'll run, will run tens. Yeah. If you put another 300 PSI in the fucking thing. Exactly. I, I, yeah. I feel like riding back to him. Yes. And it will be blue if you paint it. <laughs> but speaking of that too like that whole thing like speedy californias you know one thing i've seen lately which you'll actually really like and i'll have to send you some photos is some very enterprising people have been painting speedy california rims masking them off and painting them to look like gds wheels and fuck yeah, mate, they look fantastic so if you've got That's like cool. an old set of chrome speedy californias which you're not really too sure what to do with you basically paint them to look like a chrome GDS wheel. Or you can paint them silver and do them. But That's the beauty cool. of it yep. is, it is because the beauty is, you can get Speedy Californias in all different sizes. You can get like 1510s or 1410s or whatever, 148s. So it's like, a, especially with the price that GDS wheels are going for these days, which is just crazy. You can actually sort of, you know, if you're building a car to a budget, paint these things up and just fit the GDS center caps. And mate, I swear, from like five feet away, they look exactly like GDS wheels. It's not until you get up close and see, you can see the wider spokes where it's been blacked out. Mate, they look really cool. So that's definitely something I'll, I'll post some photos of for people to have a look at as well. And I think it's something you'll get a kick out yeah. of as well. That's a, good, that's a good idea. Yeah, it's a very good idea. Just making the best of um, what you got. And that's exactly right. We're all for that here at Thong Slappers. We're all for budget stuff. And anyone who's got like a cool budget mod they've done, or something like that, like send it to us and show us what, you, what you've done. You know, look, one thing I used to do years ago, I used to buy and sell a lot of like old Tasman mags and ROH rockets and classic Aussie wheels. And the center cap that used to fit nearly all those wheels, but center caps were hard to get, was Mitsubishi Colts. Remember those old Colts like from the 80s that had like the two sticks in them? The twin stick? Yeah. 
yeah, the center caps of the steel rims and them will fit, and they fit GDS wheels. They fit nearly everything. That's crazy, I mean, isn't it? It is, but look, try finding a Colt nowadays, but I used to have bags of those friggin' center caps. So I'd do up a set of rims to sell and just chuck on a set of Colt center caps. And because they had like almost like a bit of a kind of like a chromey type brushed finish, they actually look really good. They suited it. They looked era correct. So I like that kind of thing where, you know, you can, you can use something from something else. That's what, uh, that's at the very heart of a lot of the stuff that I like, I think. Yeah, look, most definitely. And I guess as far as, you know, domestic bliss as well, probably the biggest thing's been St. Lucie's EH. So I've actually managed to kick a few goals with that. Um, I think at the last time I mentioned this car, it was at the stage where we got it back from the panel shop and the front end had been, oh, sorry, we had all the floor pan pulled to get it back into shape. Um, mate, since that time, we've been powering on as far as the mock-up goes. So the front, uh, like all the front subframes bolted up, I've got the HR front end uh, underneath it. The motor, we've got the 202, which I've got from my mate Paul, which I've put all the EH sump and everything on after Sweet. the original. Yeah, well, look, as you know, the, yeah, original, yeah. Um, the original 179 had actually been cracked after the crash. It got had a massive crack running behind where the starter motor goes. So the block's basically rooted. So um, managed to get that 202 in the car. I've got the five-speed back in there. It's pretty much coming together as a complete car. So... I had to fix the extractors from the crash, so straighten them up, welded the exhaust on the other day. So it's nearly at the point now where I can actually fire up that donor engine just to see what it's like. And Sweet. I pretty much want to build the car to be a running, driving, mock-up version of what the final product will be, just to make sure that any dramas we face as far as from the crash, you know, from the, the damage or, you know, flow and effect of the, the accident damage can be repaired before we paint it and do all the good stuff to it. So... Yeah, funnily enough, I think actually, um, they approach it too. Oh, I think so. Just when it's a bit of an unknown quantity, just to know like how much has been affected from that. Like, basically, for anyone who's just sort of recently joined Thong Slappers, uh, my partner Lucy's got an EH she's owned for over 20 years, and about 10 years ago, she got written off like in hospital. The works a drunk guy ran a red light and cleaned the car up and pretty much wiped it off from the windscreen forward. So, you know, she loves this car, and so we're rebuilding that. Um, so, you know, look, that's coming together really well. I've got a couple of things, but look, I don't have a lot of experience with the EHs. Like, I've worked on them when I was an apprentice, but, you know, uh, a few things with the five-speed conversion, just making sure that the cross member's correct. So I wouldn't mind hitting up a few people. I've got to stick my head in a couple of EHs of the next car show to make sure I've got all the, the angles right. Yeah, right. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's been a few little bits and pieces like that. But, look, you know, just for the initial stages, the car actually has got triple triple SUs is what it normally runs, and that's how she bought it and how she used to drive it. But I'm just putting on, like, a two-barrel holly just to, you know, get it going initially and then um, all that. So, no, the car's coming together pretty well. So, you know, I'm sort of excited to get that, that built for her and get it on the road. But, um, you know, apart from that, you know, the other two, I've got a couple of Valiant Hardtops. My old days Valiant Hardtop, that's just been getting a lot of use and a lot of washes and a bit of tender loving care. I've sort of fallen in love with that car again, so that's been a good thing. Apart from the car side, there's just been a few BMXs here and there too. So, Love yeah. BMX. Yeah, so you're back on the bike. I know you're back on the bike soon after your, uh, I guess, sidetrack with surgery, aren't you? Yeah, I was meant to ride it yesterday was going to be my first day but we just got really busy when i got home so i'm going to get yeah. up to our morning and take the little jack russell over the track and we'll we'll go and go man you know what it's i, I still get so fucking excited man i i can wake up i'm 45 years old nearly 46 no i'm not i'm 45 years old when i when i wake up and i'm gonna ride my bike i still get that same excitement that i got when i used to when 10 yeah, and that's the guy, and you know, I just love that denial, by the way, about how old you are. That was perfect, yeah. but and, and that's exactly what it's like, and that's how it should be too. That's the simple things in life, mate. You know, you look forward to it. So, I wrote something in ADB the other day about why BMX is so good for me. It's twenty-four inch, so it's cruiser class. Yeah, it's it's a bit bigger because I'm I'm six yeah. foot. Yeah, yeah, but they're perfect because I can't keep up with the mountain bikes uh, maintenance. It's just fucking derailer ends up turning to shit, and it's I like I've had a couple of hardtail. Uh, a BMX is perfect. It's on the track. There's no the geometry and the steering and the brakes are all pretty much up to you. It's just it reminds me of a, like a Vita Beetle, a Vita buggy or something. It's so simple and it's so good and it's so enjoyable because 
because it is so simple. The thing doesn't have – it doesn't do a lot of things. It steers just so beautifully, a BMX, really. Uh, you shoot the thing down a mountain bike track, which I do a bit, and it feels like I'm going to fucking kill myself on it. <laughs> it's funny with BMX too. I know a lot of people our age who are sort of either have never stopped being into BMX or are getting back into it now. I guess for fitness and just also that trappings of our youth that we love so much. But a good mate of mine, Steve Ross Carroll, he's always been a BMX fan, but he's gone on a bit of a fitness hit in the last few years. And he's the sort of guy who sets himself like challenges, like not to be a knob or anything like that. Far from it. He's a top bloke, but years ago, like. He wanted to build a Datsun 120Y with a Skyline engine in it. So here he is. He fitted Sweet. like an RB. Yeah, an RB26 motor into like a friggin' Datsun 120Y. And he ran like a 10 flat, like this street car. Like it's a tough thing. Can we get a photo of that? Yeah, mate, for sure. No, I'll get some photos. That's he sold really the car now, but it was it was just such a well-built car. Like he's just this guy. Uh. He's, just, he's a real clued up guy, but... A couple of years ago, he decided he wanted to do the Budroom like cycle. It's like a, I don't know, like a tour, not a tour to France, of course, but a, a Budroom cycling thing that they do at the Sunshine Coast. But he wanted to participate in a BMX. He wanted to take on this cycling tour, right? So yeah. it's a race. It's a proper cycle race. Here I'm trying to spit the fucking words out, but I'm retarded. But he wanted to enter a BMX. So he sort of said to the organisers, hey, listen, you know, do you mind if I, can I enter a BMX into this? Just as a challenge to himself, like to see whether he can do it. Because for those who aren't familiar with Budrum, it's kind of uphill down Dale. It's a pretty hilly area. So you've got all the, you know, the proper cycling people and their really expensive bikes and, you know, yep. the shaved legs and the lycra and all that sort of stuff. So here's old Steve in his footy shorts and a, a singlet thinking, I'm going to give this a go on a BMX. Anyway, so they say, well, it's not like you can't enter, mate. If you want to do that, you know, you go for it. So he enters, and he turned up on the day, and he got the friggin' hardest reception from all the professional, I say that in inverted commas. He actually copped a lot of shit from these professional cyclists. What are you fucking doing, mate, you know? Why would they give a fuck? Like making a bit of a joke of him. And he said, you know, he just chugged it all off. Whatever, mate, I'm going to give it a go. Steve entered this race. Yeah, and he said, you know, he said, to the credit of the people at the race, he said at the start, the people bagging shit out of me, he said, by the end of it, when they saw that I was this serious and I was just on this challenge for myself, he goes, people were cheering. Like, they were they're actually supporting me and yeah, cheering me. And he fucking finished the fucking Budrum BMX, or bike race on a BMX bike. <laughs> so that's cool. hats off, hats off to Steve. Good on you, mate. And he, he still loves awesome. flying the BMX play. But that that was like a, a kind of a bit of a feel-good story where, you know, he said that's the thing. He goes, people started, they were giving me shit by the end of it. They were like, come on, mate, you can do it. And actually, because it, Freaking, he busted his ass trying to do it. You know, there's photos. There's photos of him in this one speed yeah. trying to go up a hill. You know, you can just see the the pain and effort he's put into it. So yeah, good on. But I'll what? definitely post some photos of his dad. It was a really cool car. But um, Love I guess lastly, lastly on that BMX stuff, we had the All Aussie BMX show was uh, here in Brisbane a couple of weeks ago. And, oh, man, you know, like I've always got bikes started and bits and pieces going here and there. I think last time I spoke of, I was building a mongoose. Um, and I've got like a, a, a moose goose replica I'm building as well that's out of an old Bennett. But with this all Aussie day coming up, there's a Madison that I've owned for, like I'm a main, main, mainly a fan of the Madison BMX. And... Oh, probably about two years ago, I owned a Madison MXDR, which was like about an 83 model. And it was a good bike and rest of it, but I've never really been a fan of the frame. I like the earlier 79, 80 model MXDR Madison frames. I just find them more comfortable to ride. The, the rakes are different. Yeah, right. There's more distance between the, the seat tube and the and the crank tube. You know, I just find them to be a more better balanced frame. So I bought a frame and I thought, I'll just reframe this particular bike, right? So it's a cool blue metallic with red parts and this and that I built up with the old one. So anyway, I sold the frame like two years ago. So I've had a bucket of freaking BMX parts sitting there. I thought, right, as we're talking about deadlines, like with your Commodore, I need to get this bike built. So in two weeks, I I took the donor frame down, had it sandblasted. I painted it cyan blue, which is close to the original blue, but I just love cyan blue anyway. Painted it cyan blue. And got it assembled back with the red parts for this BMX show. But funny story, and you're just going to friggin' shake your head when I tell you this. <laughs> so, here I am. I paint all my BMXs just with, like, 
metal if they're going to be a metallic i just buy like that duper color you know like cyan blue i just buy you know a big can of cyan blue paint and paint it in the metallic yep. right so just a rattle can yeah i can't afford to get them powder coated i can't you know get them professionally painted yeah. so i just rattle can them and they come up fine for what i'm doing i'm not a concourse person so i've got the bmx i've painted it blue it's come up really good and what i do to make them look even better to save trying to cut back an acrylic bmx you know, imagine coming back the paint on a BMX bike. I go and buy that gloss clear enamel paint, right? Yeah, so, right. Yep. And it and I, that's how I do it on engines <coughs> and everything. Engines, diffs. Oh, bless you, sir. Engines, okay. diffs, drive lines. I just paint them in this, you know, gloss. And you know, enamel goes over acrylic, no worries. Like this clear gloss, it'll make dog shit look glossy. Like it's good stuff. So, yeah, so you use a rattle tin of enamel clear. Yes, over the top <laughs> of the acrylic. Yeah. That's yeah, right. That's, that's a good tip. Yeah, no, it works well. I do it on engines and everything, like I was saying. Like, it's it's a good way to go over the top of a, you know, like a metallic acrylic spray paint you might be using, so. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, but the dumb part, I've got to tell you the dumb part about this. So I've done the blue. It's come up really good. And this is how you know you're getting old and anal with, like when I was a kid, if I was painting my BMX bike, I'd strip it, sand it, paint it, done. I freaking got this pan. I got the frame back from the the, the um, sandblast. It's all the powder coats where they do the sandblasting for me. I etched it. I high filled it. I spot putty bits and pieces. I rubbed it back. I made the frame like a freaking fucking show car. <laughs> and then I painted it blue. And the blue came up really good. So I'm happy, right? So I've gone to paint in this clear. So I've gone and got this can of paint. I stuck the frame out in the sun. I stuck the can out in the sun to get it warm as well, make it go on better. I'm shaking the can. I put a couple of coats of this clear on. And it's just not coming up as glossy as it should. Like, it just normally comes up with a nice gloss. It just didn't come up as glossy as it should. So I let it go. Like, I let it dry off. The next day, I get it back out there, hang it off the tree in the backyard, spray it again, and it's just not getting that gloss. Like, it goes on. It looks really glossy. You go inside, have a cup of tea, come back, and the thing's kind of like an off-gloss, like a satin. Anyway, I'm out of time. And I was using like a different brand of spray paint to what I normally use. I thought, oh, maybe it's just a difference in the quality of the brand, you know, whatever. So I thought, well, look, at the end of the day, I'm not building this BMX with fresh chrome or anything like that. It's kind of second, you know, secondhand parts, like good secondhand parts. Maybe I just leave that frame looking a little bit, not super gloss. It'll actually match in better. So I convinced myself of this, right? I said, yep, that'll look the go. If you have the frame looking 100% mint and all the all the parts look oh, shit, it's like, it's like when you build it. a car. You paint a car in two-pack and it looks friggin' amazing. You go to put all the old chrome on, it looks shit. Yeah. You've got to start and do everything. So that was my mindset. I convinced myself that was the go. Anyway, so the next day, as I was talking about earlier, I fixed the front spoiler on my Mr. Juicy fan, and I touched it up with the orange, and with this particular touch-up paint I use, you need to go over it and clear to make it look good. So I've got the, this same can of clear, sprayed the fucking spoiler, and it's come up like this satin. I'm like, fuck's sake, like, you don't give a shit. <laughs> this shit's useless. I pick up the can, and I actually read the can, satin clear. It's not even gloss clear <laughs> to start with. So here I am, I'm oh. like... I've poured like five millimeters of clear onto this fucking BMX frame and then onto the front spoiler of my van. I'm not even using a can of gloss. Like I've gone and bought a can. It must have been a can of satin sitting in amongst the gloss cans because I I remember looking at the label. Oh yeah, gloss clear. And I've grabbed the can off and here I am fucking having bananas because I'm on a timeline for this BMX show and I've fucking bought and using a can of satin clear. I didn't, of course, I didn't stop to think about looking at the can and double-checking what it was. I just kept shaking the bastard up, spraying it on, and being pissed off the results. But, look, anyway, the bike came up really well in the end. I'm happy with it. Yeah, that's right. And, look, by the time I realised, I had the BMX pretty much nearly assembled. Like, I I would sort of put in the hard yards that evening, and I had most of it together. And I thought, there's no fucking way I'm pulling this thing apart to respray it for Sunday's show. I'll just do it again, like, down the track. But now that it's finished, it's all back together. It actually looks like a just a good, like, a good kind of rider. So Daily I'll rider. leave it as is. Yeah, so that's pretty much been So, yeah, mate, as I was saying, been a lot happening domestic bliss-wise. I've got a bit of other stuff to go, mainly EH-related now. But I'll also get in and build a couple other bikes. We've got a, a big um, Queensland BMX show coming up in October. So um, I'll Saint post Lucy's it up on our page as well. St. Lucy's bike looks fucking excellent. 
Oh, yeah, the Madison, the Wonder Woman the, Madison. Our, yeah, our mate, Madison. Thanks, mate. Um, Matto 350. Oh, one of the guys on our thing. I can't believe I'm riding this. It looks good. And I thought to myself, if no one was around, I'd fucking ride it. I would. I'd go, I'm having a fucking ride on this thing. And you know what the crazy part is? Because, of course, you build a bike, you've got to ride it to make sure it works. That bike is one of the best riding BMXs I've ever ridden. It's just something it about cool. it. It just, yeah, like it's basically, I'll, I'll put some photos up as well, but pretty much, um, yeah, my partner, St. Lucy, she said, oh, when I was a kid, I wanted to have a Wonder Woman BMX bike. She was just telling me this randomly a few months ago. So I actually had an old Madison frame and built to this this Wonder Woman based or themed BMX using dragster forks and a banana seat and man she loves the thing and that's cool and she rides around and it's you know it's pretty cool and it was actually really well received at that BMX show people loved it it ties into what we discussed a couple of podcasts ago with uh, Casey and your, your, your vision it just works mm. on that level you know yeah and that's right that, and look you know works on it. look at it and it works you know? yeah yeah and the surprising thing, too, is that the actual BMX scene, especially like the old school BMX scene, is very much like the car scene. Like the bikes that won the, I guess, the big prizes at the show, they are like the Happy Williams equivalents. You know, like they're like the, the friggin' X-Boss versions of BMX bikes. Yeah. Seriously, like these things, the chrome is perfect. They're all fully powder-coated or sprayed. They are just an ama- amazing bikes. And that's kind of the difference. And it, it's, it's sort of... Funny and almost a little bit scary how much the BMX scene, you know, mirrors the street machine scene. But I guess, of course, in, in saying that, a lot of the, the BMX bike guys are car guys too, you know? Yeah. Yeah, we all came through the same way. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. The first uh, BMX I've had with no front brake. I normally like a front and rear brake. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Just, you know, the, the good kids down the park, the guys that are really, like, backflipping and stuff, because I ride at the skate park, Mate, they have no brakes. They don't have brakes on their bike. Yeah, but it's jammed the shoe in against the, the, well, you know, not, the frame you, of the tyre. Not even that. Yeah, I guess that a little bit. But when you look at the style and the way that they ride and how, how good it suits it, because if they have a stack, it, it's not because they haven't got to the brakes. It's not as if they're on a BMX track. They're down at a skate park, you know, so they're doing transitions. They're doing, you know, uh, yeah. lots yeah. of so It's... Hey, I can do a manual, did I tell you? No, you didn't, but good on you. Yeah, yeah. before I uh, had my operation, before I actually busted my hernia, I was talking to a friend of mine, and he brought his two kids over for a ride, so he's Kai Parrish, he, he listens to this, he's a, he's a real nice bloke, he's got an XR Falcon with Simmons, he come up to Townsville for his kids to race BMX, and that's that yeah. photo I put on me riding that little mini bike, that little oh, mini Oh, yeah, bike. yeah, sure. So he said, to me, come to the, do you want to meet up? My boys want to go for a ride at the pump track. I said, yeah, I'd love to meet he's over there. So when we get over there, I'm talking to his two little sons. And one of them tells me, when you're doing the manual, he said, you've got to really bend your knees. So I, it was kind of a throwaway comedy set. So I was doing a few. I practiced for the next year. I'm 45 years old, man. I could finally do a manual. I'm like, this is the best shit ever. Yeah, it's a really hard thing to do on a BMX. And it's like a 24-inch. Do you want to explain to people what a manual is, by the way? A manual is just where you don't pedal, and the best way to describe it, it's a wheel stand without pedaling, just using balance. So you sit back, you obviously bend your knees, and uh, yeah, it's it's not it's a pure BMX move that actually later on got adopted by the motocross supercross guys. It's it's yeah. funny. It, it went it's very way. cool. Yeah, and that's good, mate. And that's good when you can still learn to love out of their age too. So yeah, I want to, I want to fully be riding my BMX still at fifty. Yeah, big time. Hey, moving on to episode 12, we'll be doing a bit more about 1978, and a massive part of that 1978 is going to be Convoy, one of your or my favourite movies. We're going to forget we even have an audience when we start recording that, mate, for sure. I love Convoy. It's a great (laughs) So wrapping up episode 11, I just want to uh, do our normal thanks. Thanks to Lucy and Deb and plus also, if you want to find us, Thong Slappers, we're available at thongslappers at optusnet.com.au. Follow us on Instagram at the Thong Slappers or you can also find us on Facebook with our Thong Slappers page on Facebook too. Now, um, I guess also too, a bit of a reminder about our uh, Thong Slappers 2018 Gen Y of the year. Now, you have until June 30, so the closing date is coming on strong and fast. So if you're interested in being in the running to win a Street Machine subscription, 
make sure you get your entries into uh, either our uh, email or onto our Facebook or to our Instagram. So, mate, Red, looking forward to talking about Convoy. Fucking hell, I'm going to have to watch that movie about four times just to make sure we don't miss a trick. Me and my little Jack Russell, we little Rasty, like my little mate, like I said before, we don't have kids yet, but my little mate Rasty, the middle Jack Russell, we sit here, as soon as I put it on, he hears that music, he trots out, he loves it. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Such a great movie. If you haven't seen it, if you're a thong slapper's listener and you haven't seen it, do yourself a favour and give it a watch before our episode 12. That way, you can be in and exactly what we're talking about and know what the hell we're going on about. Otherwise, it might be a bit of a wasted episode for you. <laughs> so. And also, don't forget, to get red on survivor uh, yeah we got to get you going we got to get you entered for survivor that'd be amazing just we'll make sure you have a thong slappers t-shirt for it too okay i bet you that i am the first eliminated (laughs) that's what we'll do that's what we'll go for we'll go and we'll go if you fucking useless fucks don't kick me off at the show we shit (laughs) awesome all right mate look forward to speaking with you in episode 12 have a good one thanks Thanks again for all your work on this time, mate. And likewise, mate. Cheers. I'll chat to you soon. See you, buddy. See ya. Hey, I just want to notify you guys out there of something uh, very special in our To The 60 short series uh, for Thong Slappers. The next one's going to be a very special panel van episode. So here's a little taster. Take a walk in my shoes. It's 1982. You're 21 and life is great. Thank you.